It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, Gronk here, calling a 30-second hair huddle. When it comes to tackling hair loss, Hims has you covered. From clinically proven regrowth treatments to thickening shampoo and conditioner. Just go to 4 for a free consultation. Then a licensed medical provider can help you with your game plan. If prescribed, Hims ships directly to your door. Get your hair back in the game with Hims. Try today and get a 90-day money-back guarantee at 4 Just go to 4 slash NFL. That's 4 slash NFL. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. Napa know-how. There are lots of amazing cars on the road, but perhaps none more amazing than the paid-off car. It may not be pretty, but the price is right. Heck, if you keep that thing running, it'll actually start paying you. Because with Napa Rewards, for every $100 you spend, you'll get $5 off. So keep your car running longer, stronger with Napa Rewards, and watch the savings start rolling in. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. You are Locked On Packers, your daily podcast on the Green Bay Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are Locked On Packers. Hello, this is Bill Huber, the publisher of PackerReport.com, part of the Scout.com network, which means some of the best NFL and college football coverage that you will find anywhere. And I hope you had a very, very happy Thanksgiving. And I'm sitting here talking to you at about 6.30 a.m. on Central Time. I'm still full, and then my, uh, my breakfast plan for after this podcast, pumpkin pie, naturally, right? Hey, it's vegetables, so you know what? Don't laugh. Don't, don't mock me. Got a good show for you today. It's usually Matchups Thursday. Obviously, I took Thursday off for family time, so it is Matchups Friday as we look ahead to, to uh, Monday night's game between the Packers and Eagles in Philadelphia. First of all, I would like to thank you for listening, and if you like what you're listening to, you can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes and the Android app. I'm here every Monday through Friday. And please check out my day job, which is PackerReport.com. Packer Report members receive 10% discounts on tickets through TicketMonster and Gear Through Fanatics. Two great ways to save some money as you buy gifts for your loved ones. And please check out the uh, Lockdown Network, too. Lockdown NFL, Lockdown Fantasy, and Lockdown Eagles to get you ready for Monday night. All right, on to first down, and that would be the relish tray of olives. No, wait, that was yesterday's uh, Thanksgiving. First down, when the Packers have the ball. You know what? I'm going to sound like a broken record here. This is going to be a lot like last week. The Packers' offense, for one, is a work in progress. Kristen Michael will make his debut for the Packers this week. So they got Michael, they've got Starks, and they got Ty Montgomery, and Mike McCarthy has to figure out a way to get all those guys involved in the backfield. And number two, Jared Cook made his debut last week, and with six catches and 105 yards, I think you need to see a lot more of Jared Cook. So really, this is part of the Packers' problem, right? I mean, we're, we're now week 12, and they're still trying to figure out this offense. And it's finally now it's finally actually some good reasons that we'll, we'll have to figure things out on offense with actually more bodies rather than less for a change. But it is a an added challenge here. And, you know, at, at this point in the year, you, you would hope that you would have your rotation set, you'd have your identity set, you know what you want to do, but let's face it, that's not where these guys are at this year. So a work in progress offensively, and they're going to face an Eagles defense. It's a little weak in the, in the back end, but this is a very, very good This is by far the best defense these guys have played since, man, I have, you know, the Cowboys maybe back in week six. I mean, they, they faced a whole bunch of great offenses and bad defenses this year, but not this week. The Eagles have a very, very good defense. 
You know, they're averaging, I mean, they're averaging less than 20 games, but in, in four home games, they've allowed 38 points. That's less than 10 per game. You just want to go through these home scores real quick. 29 to 10 over Cleveland. Yeah, it's, it's Cleveland, right? That, that, that barely counts. Week three, 34 to three over Pittsburgh. Then 21 to 10 over Minnesota and 24 to 15 against Atlanta. I mean, you know how good Atlanta's offense is. And you know how good Pittsburgh's offense is. And to shut those guys down, that, that speaks very highly of that group. So Philly allowing 335 per game on yards, 18.6 points per game. And their third down conversion rate is 35.2%. All of those are top 10. Uh, the Eagles are fourth in points and third on third down. And you know, I pointed out they're, they're, they're a bit weak in the secondary. So why are they so good? Their front seven is fantastic. So, you know what? While their corners aren't great, the Eagles come in this game ranked second in opponent completion percentage at just 57.7 and sixth in passer rating at 83.8. It starts up front for these guys. Defensive end Brandon Graham, defensive end Connor Barwin, and defensive tackle Fletcher Cox, all premier players. You know, Graham, well, Barwin has been a Pro Bowl kind of guy for a while. He's, you know, he's 30, kind of taper off for just a little bit, but. Graham has been great. And I remember being at the Senior Bowl. Gosh, I don't even know what it was. You know, five years ago, whatever it was. You know, Green Bay was looking for outside linebackers at that time. And there's this Brandon Graham kid from Michigan who was like this bowling ball. A little undersized, a bigger guy. Unblockable. I mean, they'd go through those one-on-one -on -one pass blocking drills. And he would just demolish everybody in his path. And that showed up this year. He is among the league leaders with, well, first of all, Barwin and Graham with seven sacks or five sacks apiece. But Graham among the league leaders with 15 quarterback hits, according to the official league stats. That's a great matchup center perimeter there between Graham and Barwin against the Packers tackles of David Bakhtiari and Brian Balaga. Because the Packers' owed tackles have probably been the strength of this offense, other than the play of Riders of late. They've been, Balaga and Bakhtiari have been consistently excellent. But this will be a big challenge with two premier guys on the road in, in, in a loud environment. And, you know, Jim Schwartz is the defensive coordinator here. And in Detroit, as Mike McCarthy would call it, I mean, he was, you know, they had an aggressive defense. I mean, they didn't blitz a ton, but it was an aggressive defense, and they, and they would have their defensive ends way out wide and go attack. So, I mean, and that really stresses the tackle in, in those road games where they have to get off quickly at the ball and move out quickly enough to go get after those outside linebackers. So, that's that's the challenge for the Packers. And, and then defensive tackle Fletcher Cox, one of the best guys in the league. Four, he's got four sacks. He's been a, a perennial Pro Bowl kind of guy. And, he'll, you know, again, it's going to be probably Jason Spriggs in, 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 as the guard opposite of Lane Taylor. So, I, you know, I would think the Eagles like to match him up against Spriggs as much as they can. So Cox, and on his best days, is flat out down. I mean, he... He didn't have a great day against the Seahawks, but he sure was in the backfield a lot. And Graham was in the backfield. I mean, Graham spent half the game in the backfield against Seattle. So a big, big challenge here for Green Bay's O-line. If they can protect, they've got some chances here, though. But first of all, let's before I get to the secondary, go to the Eagles linebackers. Jordan Hicks, a third-round pick in 2015. He was a guy I really, really liked coming out of that draft. First of all, he's one of the most athletic linebackers in that draft. And two, really an intelligent guy. I mean, he I mean, he looked like he was a three-down guy. I mean, you talk to him, you watch him play. I mean, this is a three-down guy. 
he was always hurt at Texas, and that was the knock on him. Well, the the Eagles swapped up, and he has become the third, 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 the easy for me to say, right? The third down guy for them. Not only is he third in the team in tackles, but he's second in passes defensed. A linebacker with eight passes defensed. I mean, that's uh, that's big time. So he's 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 the stalwart of that linebacker group. The corners, Leotis McKelvin, Nolan Carroll, and rookie Jalen Mills. McKelvin is their best guy. One interception. He's got nine passes defense to lead the team. He's the number one guy. Um, was in the concussion protocol to start the week. He was listed as full participation at Wednesday or at Thursday's practice. The Eagles actually did practice yesterday. And he was listed full participation. So I assume it means he's going to play, and that'd be a, a big a big boost for them. You know, Nolan Carroll and Jalen Mills are, you know, both big guys, both both about six foot. Carroll runs like the wind. It's never really quite added up for him. He's big and fast, but hasn't been a great player. And Mills has struggled as a bit as a rookie. I would think the Packers like to go attack him. But this, again, this is this will be the best pass defense these guys have faced in a long time. The safety is Malcolm Jenkins, a former corner. At his best at the line of scrimmage, kind of kind of in that Morgan Burnett role where he's at his best, you know, playing to run, blitzing some good player. And then the, the other safety is Rodney McLeod, an undersized guy, their center field kind of guy. You know, we let off part of this with, with Jared Cook. Interesting to note here that Philly has allowed 28 catches to tight ends this year. That is the best number in the league. You know, by gosh, by contrast, the Packers have allowed 55 catches to tight ends, so that that's double, or for, in the Eagles' case, that's less than half the number. So, look, the Packers have, you know, to repeat myself here, but Green Bay's played a lot of bad defenses here between, you know, such the last bunch of weeks with Chicago, Atlanta, Indy, Tennessee, and Washington in the last five games. This is a whole other animal against the Eagles. And, you know, on, on Wednesday... Uh, Mike McCarthy thought the offense was getting close to being where he thought they would be. And obviously they've, they've shown signs of it through these, you know, through this four-game losing streak where they, you know, they, they hit the rough patches and all, but they eventually get going and become really hard to stop. But again, that was against bad defenses. We'll see if that can continue on Monday night. And this episode of Locked On Packers is brought to you by my website, PackerReport.com, home of the world's best preview. As I mentioned earlier, Pack Report members receive 10% discounts on tickets, 10% discounts on gear, and new or renewing annual members get one year of Sports Illustrated, a tremendous, tremendous deal. And if your company would like to speak directly to Packers fans, you should consider sponsoring this podcast. Locked On Packers has a growing listenership and great advertising rates, and surveys show that podcast listeners are more likely to check out and buy your product. For more information, you can contact me, at packwriter2002 at yahoo.com. Once again, that is packwriter2002 at yahoo.com. And that takes us to second down, and that's when the Eagles have the ball. Another week, another really good quarterback. In the case of Carson Wentz, it's the potential of being a really good quarterback. He got off to a great start, and sort of the Eagles. Remember, Philadelphia got off to a 3-0 start, where they beat Cleveland with 29 points, Chicago with 29 points, and then Pittsburgh with 34. But the Eagles have fallen back to earth since then. They're, they've lost five of their last seven. Philly, ranking 13th with 24.1 points per game, 19th with 340 yards per game, and a woeful 29th 
with a 33.6% conversion rate on third down. Again, it starts with Carson Wentz, the second overall pick of the draft from Northern Powerhouse, North Dakota State. He's completed 63.2% of his passes, a little over 2,300 yards with 11 touchdowns and seven interceptions. That pass rating of 84.2 ranks 25th, but again, a tale of two seasons for him. His last six games, four touchdowns, six interceptions. And in three of those games, he's had a yards per, te- yards per attempt of less than five. So, you know, a kind of a typical typical rookie growing pain, especially for, especially for your rookie like Wentz, who, you know what, unlike Dak Prescott of the Cowboys, who's a great O-line, a great running back, and some proven guys in the perimeter, you know, Wentz doesn't really have any of that. I mean, the O-line is good. The running back group is okay. The receivers, okay. So um, he struggled some. And but it's you know here's here's Mike McCarthy when I asked him about Wentz on Wednesday. He's got a very bright future, and hopefully it starts next week with our game, or excuse me, next week after our game. He's impressive. I've been very impressed with his video. We've had him a number of times in our breakdowns leading into this game. So physically, he's everything you want. Athletic, can make all the throws. Plays with really great composure. I like the command he has of the offense. That's been impressive. I've always had a preference of the quarterback that can beat you from the pocket and out of the pocket, and he has that ability. So I think he's a dynamic young player that's going to have a very bright future. For the Eagles, their passing game goes through one wide receiver Jordan Matthews. He's 6'3", so got great size and 53 catches, 639 yards, three touchdowns. Number two, tight end Zach Ertz. 35 catches, 337 yards, and one touchdown. If you watched the Eagles-Seahawks game last week, he had a long catch-and-run touchdown. And you know you know how fast that Seahawks defense is. Well, he caught the ball and outran everybody for the last 50 yards for a touchdown. He got called back by a, a bad penalty, which we'll get into here in just a moment. But an athletic guy uh, during his conference call, Wentz called Ertz a security blanket for him. And then the number three guy in the passing game is running back Darren Sproles. And you all know him. He seems like an ageless guy. 34 catches, 304 yards, and a touchdown for Sproles. He's got a broken rib. So I would think he would be limited to some degree with that, but he will play. You know, Wentz has been hurt by drop passes. According to stats, they've dropped 17. This is the fourth most in the league. Matthews has five. Sproles, four. And receiver Doriel Green-Beckham, a former second-round pick. Actually, I think it might have been a first-round pick of the uh, Titans a few years ago. He's dropped three. Um, and then the, the first round, the Eagles' first round pick from 2015, Nelson Aguilar, been a big disappointment. He might be benched altogether. Aguilar had on that Ertz draw or that Ertz touchdown that I mentioned a minute ago. He lined up um, off the ball for an illegal formation penalty. And, you know, one of the stupidest things that illegal formation penalties as a receiver is just stupid. That means you don't know what the hell you're doing. So that was a a bad penalty, and then he had a really, 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 really. Really, 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 how many reallys can I add? A really bad drop against Seattle, too, which, which ruined a potential big gain. So, you know, he's caught, um, da, 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 da. gosh, he's caught 27 passes for less than 10 yards a catch. He might have a seat on the bench for, for Monday night. So it's a so-so receiving core. Um, they've got injury situation in the backfield. Their leading runner is Ryan Matthews with 427 yards and seven touchdowns. But he's got a knee sprain. 
I'd assume he's not going to play, and that would leave the backfield in the hand of Sproles. And, Wookie, and Ricky Wendell Smallwood, Smallwood is 253 yards and 4.4 yards a carry. So, you know, again, based on Green Bay's run defense, which has been really good, I know they're going to the big the big plays in back-to-back games, but on, on a play-to-play basis, it's really hard to beat. In the state of the Eagles' backfield, I would assume that they're going to come out trying to throw the ball, and really, why wouldn't you, right? I mean, the Packers' defense has been, been god-awful. You know, it, it seems like at this point, Darius, or Demarius Randall is going to play. Um, but, you know, and maybe Jake Ryan will play inside linebacker as well, based on what the, the Packers didn't practice on Thursday. The Thursday injury report had Demarius Randall is limited. Jake Ryan is limited. Uh, Blake Martinez did not practice and will not play. So it'll be interesting to see if the Packers go with Ryan and Joe Thomas at inside linebacker, or it'll be Ryan and Clay Matthews at inside linebacker. Um, we'll, we'll find that out on Monday. And Even if I did know, I wouldn't be able to tell you. Um, up front, the Eagles O-line, pretty good group. Left tackle Jason Peters, age 34, he used to be one of the premier blindside protectors. Maybe not so much anymore, but still an above-average guy. It'll be a big challenge for Green Bay struggling pass rush. The other tackle, Alan Barber. He started this year at left guard. He'll play at right tackle due to, due to uh, one, Lane Johnson's suspension. And then their, their, their fill-in guy um, with an alphabet soup kind of name, a rookie. He's a knee injury, so won't play. Al- Alan Barber. He was a fourth-round pick by the Packers, I think, in 2007. So he's he's a 10-year guy. He stunk in Green Bay. I remember he won the right tackle job uh, one year, and it was just a disaster. I mean, a flat-out disaster. He ended up getting benched, you know, after like four games. I mean, he was he was a turnstile. And to think and to think that he's still playing <laughs> 10 years later. And not only is he playing, but he's starting. That has got to be the up at me. If you thought the United States, the United States being the Russians in the Miracle on Ice game was an upset, no, this is an upset. Alan Barber was a god awful football player who was uh, strong and fast. He did everything he wanted besides the fact that he couldn't play. That he's still a starter in this league is absolutely mind boggling. Actually, he's turned to a pretty fair player too. So the, the Packers will have to. Packers have to take advantage of that matchup. They have to take advantage of that matchup, and then they have to take advantage of, you know, the center Jason Kelsey used to be a, a above-average player, not so much anymore. The Packers have to win up front. They just have to. It's, it's what's killed them. And because they haven't been winning up front, they're a very bad secondary has been exploited. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. You know, the Eagles' passing game isn't that great. The receivers aren't that great. You know, I, I would think Green Bay actually has a fighting chance they play pretty good defense in this game. We'll, uh, we'll see you come Monday night, right? That takes us to third down in the Eagles special teams, and it is a darn good group. And for Packers special teams, which is going the wrong way, this will be a big challenge, first of all, well, first and foremost. The exchange of kickoffs is, is going to be a nightmare for the Packers. For Green Bay, or for, excuse me, for Philadelphia, they are, they are number one in the NFL by a mile. In kickoff return average. Josh Huff is averaging 36 yards of return with a touchdown. The aforementioned Wendell Smallwood, 31.6 yards per return and a touchdown. So as a team, Philly averaging merely 33.7. That is number one in the league. Green Bay's kickoff coverage, 
a league worst 30.5 yards per return. And if you do based on if you do it based on starting field position, um, Philly's average basically Philly's a first down ahead of Green Bay on, on between kickoff returns between kickoff returning units because the Packers kickoff returning which had been pretty good mostly because they've been taking touchbacks. Another thing, I mean, they're going the wrong way. I mean, last week, Jeff Janis has misjudged the ball, and the ball hits the ground, and they recover up the four, whatever it was. So the kickoff slash kickoff coverage, a huge advantage for Philadelphia. Punting the ball. Jacob Shumoff has been really punting the ball well for the Packers. He's been surging up the rankings. He's number 14 now in net. The aforementioned Darren Sproles, 14.1 yards per punt return. No touchdowns, but he does have a 66-yarder. So they, have, they so the Eagles have a big-time kickoff return, a big-time punt return. Their kickoff coverage, also number one, with 17.9 yards. So here we go. Kind of backtracking a bit here. Philly averaging 33.7 per kickoff return. They're allowing 17.9 on kickoff coverage. That's merely a 16-yard average difference. So... Big advantage there, kicker Caleb Sturgis. He's 18 for 18 on kicks from inside of 40 yards. But 2 for 5 from 40 to 49, 3 or 4 from 50 plus. So not a great long-range kicker, but, but money from the middle distances. So, again, another big challenge for Green Bay. And, you know, the special teams, which is which made such big strides under, under Ron Zook last year, and got off to a good start this year. Has just been trying the wrong way, and it's it's, it's like everything else with this team. You know, it's, it's like everything else with every team that's in a big slump. When it rains, it pours, and there's really nothing you can hang your hat on here. And a special teams unit is, you know, the, the injuries have been a problem. And guys like Jeff Janis, who you expected to be, you know, big time players, haven't haven't panned out. You know, Chris Banjo, the special teams captains in IR. You really, there's really nothing going right on the in the in the third phase of the game. And finally, fourth down, that'd be just a couple odds and ends here. First of all, Aaron Rodgers at his locker on Wednesday. With these, I think it's about 10 words here. I feel like we can run the table. I really do. Look, this is, and this was a, I was asked about this several times over Thanksgiving dinner and watching the other games about Aaron Rodgers saying that. What did he say that for? Is he crazy? Look, what's he supposed to say? Yeah, we're shooting for three and three here. And if we can. Man, yeah, maybe a 500 finish. No, I mean you you gotta say that, right? Easier said than done, obviously. Philly five and five. Houston and Seattle at home next week, both leading the division. Then it's at Chicago, who stinks. Then it's home to Minnesota, who is six and four, and then at Detroit, or Minnesota six and five now. Then at Detroit, which is seven and four. Obviously, a big challenge. Look, other than the Bears game, I, Green Bay is probably gonna be an underdog in all these games, I would think, but. You know, McCarthy said it too on Wednesday. I mean, it didn't sit not run the table per se, but on Wednesday too, McCarthy said, you know, he, as he said throughout, he I mean he loves his locker room and he's totally confident these guys are going to come out the other side of this. I'm not buying it, but and I'm sure you're, I'm sure you're not buying it either. But at least for public consumption, it, it doesn't seem like empty words either. I, I talked about this a couple weeks ago. I remember going to that playoff game at Washington a couple weeks ago, or last year, and they were slumping. They lost a couple games at home, or a couple games in a row to end the regular season. They said all the right things, but 
I didn't sense the belief. I, I, from Rodgers and McCarthy, I sensed the belief that they really are going to get it figured out. Time is running out, obviously, so we'll, I, we'll see. Um, we mentioned this before, the Eagles, 4-0 at home, with an average margin of victory of 17.5 in those four games. Green Bay, meanwhile, with their first four-game losing streak since 2008. These, these guys are perennially, perennial, per, geez Louise, anyways, have been one of the best road teams year to year, like, since, I'm not, like, since I can't say the word perennial for, for some reason. But like everything else this year, that's, that's gone by the wayside as well. And then the final note, which would be from Wednesday, when Mike McCarthy announced that Eddie Lacy and Sam Shields would not be returning from injured reserve. No surprise with Shields. I, you know, I, I, don't, I think his career is over. I mean, he hasn't even been with the team. He, he's been home with his family, which is good. And you hope, on a personal note, that he's got good people around him. And tell him this. Well, look, I'm not a neurologist, first of all. And maybe not playing this year is just what the guy needs. I have no idea. But, you know, your, your sense is after, you know, five concussions in your career, four in Green Bay, you know, in, two, in such a short time with the Packers, your sense is that maybe he should just not play. And you hope he's got the right people around him to keep him away. I mean, either way, he... Next year's his last year under contract for Green Bay. I think his cap number is twelve and a half million for the Packers. And if you release him, it's nine million of base salary off base salary and workout bonuses off the books. So I, he, he's not coming back. And there was a chance that he wasn't going to come back anyway. But you know, Sam Sam's time in Green Bay at the very least is over. How about Eddie Lacy? Is his Green Bay career over? He's also this is his last year under contract. Obviously, he was playing extremely well. He was averaging 5.1 yards per carry in his five games. But how much, how much, how much can you pay the guy? I mean, you go back to last year with, with, the, with the whole weight issues. I mean, what, if you pay him, I mean, aren't you just, you don't know what you're going to get, right? If he's doing that when there's a contract on the line down the road, I mean, what's he going to do if you pay him? So I don't know. I, mean, I don't know. I don't know what the rest of the league thinks of him. I mean, obviously he's a he's a hell of a runner. You know, it, if the price is right, I would think he comes back to Green Bay. Unless the Packers are so miffed at the weight problems, they're going to just say screw it and, and be done with it. But you know, maybe maybe assign him for a year if if, if the price is right. I don't know. It, it's an interesting thing. I mean, either way, the Packers have to go draft a running back next year. But you know what? If you if you keep Lacey for a year. You know, it takes the pressure off to get a, a premier guy because, they, look, they, they need corner. They need an outside linebacker. Depending on what happens to the T.J. Lang, maybe you need a guard. You know, you, you need another impact guy up front. They have a lot of needs. And, you just, I mean, clearly, you, 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 run, you run out of premium picks in a hurry, right? So if you could, in a perfect world, maybe, maybe, maybe Lacey has no interest outside of, outside, outside of here. And then bring him back for a one-year prove-it kind of contract. So, but it is an interesting question. I mean, you did, will, will he return? Then it's so funny. This is so Green Bay, right? So you get to bring back one guy for injury reserve. Is it going to be Eddie Lacy? Is it going to be Sam Shields? Nope. And I remember talking to uh, Rob Demoski from ESPN a couple weeks ago up in, up in where we work in our in our big office, and we're talking about who comes back. Go, you watch. It'll be McIntyre Dorland. That's who they're going to bring back. And sure. Blankety blank, I almost said the wrong word there. Sure shoot. 
It's Mackinton Dorlian, undrafted rookie cornerback from Northern Iowa. So you can bring back one guy off of injury reserve, and and you need a corner. So by God, there it is. You know, <laughs> A plus B equals C, and you, and I was I was half joking, and I will, but I will take credit for <laughs> for predicting that it is Mackinton Dorlian, an undrafted rookie. It just it is just the Packer way, right? Where it's young guys, young guys, young guys. Almost all the time. So we'll see if he can contribute anything. Obviously, Green Bay secondary has been a disaster in the cornerback group. And, you know, obviously to expect. Hell, Dorlian played one preseason game. I couldn't tell you if the guy's any good at night. He missed most of the preseason with hamstring injuries. You know, the one game or the one practice I remember watching him. And don't read anything of this in whatsoever. But I remember watching the corners one day during a position trial. Probably watching for 15 minutes. And for Joe with the cornerbacks, coach. You've got to catch the ball. You know, I mean, that's why this year being an exception, they, they have led the NFL in interceptions because to play corner here, you've got to catch it. Simply being there and breaking up passes is not good enough. Well, remember he was there doing some sort of footwork drill, then you had to make a cut and go get the ball. He dropped like four in a row. And Joe, do it again. Do it again. Do it again. You can just feel his frustration again. It's one practice. In August, don't read anything into it. Doesn't mean he can't play, but just that—that that is really the one and only memory I have of him. You know, he's just, you know, he wasn't here. I, I have no idea if he's any good. I'm sure the coaching staff probably doesn't know either, and they'll figure that out here these next what well, six weeks. I, at some point, um, you know, put Dimitri Goodson in an IR, and they'll call up Dorley, and it's the Packer way, right? Why on earth would you sign a 30-year-old cornerback who's ever played with him? By God, you can play a 22-year-old. So there you have it. That's uh, that's this season, and that's that's this regime in a nutshell. Well, that's it for this episode of Locked On Packers. Thank you, as always, for listening. Enjoy your leftovers. And I will talk to you on Monday for one final preview leading up to Monday night's game against the Eagles. Have a great day, everybody. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org catalyst.